This episode of Masters of the Cinematic Universe is brought to you by Mo DeWitt and DeWitt Law Firm. Maybe you get in an accident chasing down a homicidal liquid metal machine from the future, or a time-traveling car sends you skidding into a truck full of manure. Perhaps a homicidal child cracks your skull open with a paint can this holiday season. Mo understands that every case is unique. If you're injured on the go, just call Mo. That's not even how the song goes, but I just wanted to fucking play along. What is is our opening song a real song? I don't even know that. Uh, you don't know what song that is? I have no, no. fucking idea. Oh no. shit! How did you like? I, I could have already told you this like little bit of trivia before at some point. I mean, I know what the screen pulling and what that is from, but I don't know what yeah. the song is from. Okay, so the screen pulling itself is from. Come it's on. from the uh, the uh, you know yeah, let the motherfucker burn, guys. Oh no no! I meant right? the beginning the. The whole years, folks, it's showtime. What is that from? That's that, uh, a Mel Brooks joint. No? Yes, it is. Uh, Blazing Saddles. Oh, I see, and I'm embarrassed Blazing that Saddles. I don't know that. That yeah. one's from Blazing Saddles. Um, but all, yeah. also, since you're a Florida cat, that was also the part of the intro for the radio program on 104.1. Jim Phillips file. Jim Phillips file, yeah. That's where I exactly. heard it in, in Soul. Because he, well, now, technically, he had already retired by the time we did this, so. That's true. He can't. He can't get mad. <laughs> Let me see. This is it. I might. I may or may not fuck up, but I will try. Come on. I mean, we've only been doing this show for fucking over two years, and I yeah, did right? not know this was an actual song. Yeah, it's an actual song. If I can get my phone to play. That begs Bluetooth. the question. Dude. There we go. Uh uh uh. And we may get sued by this band, but I doubt it because <laughs> they're not exactly the. Uh, Type, I Are uh, you ready? Come on, Jimmy. Jimmy Pop. Yes, yeah, I was right, though. Yeah, you are. I, I love this song, by the way. Wait, pa- wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. Pause it. Pause it. Is this the Bloodhound Gang? It yes. is the Bloodhound Gang. I couldn't remember the name. That's why I said let the motherfuckers burn band. I couldn't yes. remember the name. Okay. Step it back because the bass together. is buzzing. Bloodhound Gang bangs more than the dirty dozen. Alley, you become sad. I think I'm sad. I feel like Ezra because you know I'm the man. Yeah, I dug your mom, but all I did was kiss her. But I got the second base with your mom and your sister. Okay. It all makes sense now. It all fucking makes sense now. I'm glad I know that little bit of trivia about the thing that we do. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's about time it mm-hmm. just was like a perfect like intro song i'm like i'm just like wow this like fits it's got the whole dun, 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 dun. it's got a cool little beat and the, the words yep. don't come in for like an entire 45 seconds so like, yeah no it worked it's a great choice dude. yeah it's called go great down choice. by the bloodhound gang yeah go well, down yeah. go deep deep in and out quick because i'm harder than chinese arithmetic wow. <laughs> That's poetry. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> hey, I'm spreading uh, quicker than your mom. Have a feel, but don't cop this. Yeah, I stole the beat, but that's because you dropped it. Wait, here's a challenge for all three of us on the show this evening. After we're done with the recording, we go to our respective wives 
and try to use that line. <laughs> it's an experiment. <laughs> and the next time we get together and record, just we'll talk about how it went. Because yeah. I have a feeling if I slid into bed with my wife and I said, hey, baby, I got to tell you something. <laughs> I am harder than Chinese arithmetic right now. She would look at me and just say, what the fuck are you talking about? You, you could go with the other Blood Hung Gang song, You're Pretty When I'm Drunk. No, that's yeah. terrible. Oh, yeah. 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 That'll go real That'll well. Work. See, we can't have that contest because we, we already got plans for after this. So no, I can okay. say anything I want. There's also, um, you know, um, the set of a woman is like Rotten Tomatoes. Must be something wrong with Al Pacino's nose. Oh, my God. Uh, I feel like I could let you roll for a really Oh, there's time. so many good blood hunging songs. And I'm um, not willing to do that. So. Yep. What, what's new? What's new? Uh, well, let's see. What is new today? I just got back from another vacation in North Carolina. Um, you take a lot of vacations. Dude. I know this year I've taken like four four weeks of vacation already somehow. And, and it's just March. Um, Damn. Don't know how it all worked out this year, but it's done it so far. Uh, I was I was kind of like sad because there's no snow because it's fucking unseasonably hot. In, in, um, in everywhere? Yeah. Well, yeah. it's Except not everywhere. Oregon. There are places that are normally warm that are getting snow. And yeah. there's places like up here and where you are that... And getting shit. Yeah, I was I was kind of disappointed in that, so I needed to go to the mountain. There was four of twenty uh, trails open at the ski resort, so I was like, nope, wow. I'm not going to go there. Um, yeah. Let's see what else. Um, oh yeah, I'm about to turn forty-one on Tuesday. Happy birthday, Happy motherfucker! Birthday, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I didn't realize, or maybe I did, but my memory's really bad. How close our birthdays are together? Mm-hmm. Because I'm on the sixteenth, uh, and my uh, son oh, Quentin, okay. named after Quentin Tarantino, is on the fifteenth. Oh, nice. shit. Yeah. Me and your son should have a joint birthday party. Smoke joints on your <laughs> birthday was, party? I was wondering. I was about to stay make the joke. Wow. But, uh, yeah. Uh, the old no, baby. <laughs> yeah. You, you guys are on top of it. I, I, wait. How old is your son before I continue down this road? Yeah. <laughs> well, he will be three. So Okay. No. So I think we got to ease off just a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Give another year or two. Hit the bricks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he was named after Tarantino, which is kind of cool. That is that very is cool. cool. Um, well, shit, man, we're, we're going to get, try to get together this Friday and have a drink, toast yeah. your birthday. It'd be nice. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. 41, you old ass. You old, <laughs> young man. kind of old. You're yep. getting there, you know. You know, I mean, the, you, we throw around the term middle-aged and, and like the older guys tend to give us shit for that, but I don't, I can't see living more than half of what I am now. Like, that's a long time. It is absolutely, and if the if the life expectancy in the United States keeps going down like it is, yeah, yeah, you're already past middle age. Over the hill, baby. I saw a uh, meme that was like 18 year old me um, thinking that it will be forever before I'm 30, and then 30 year old me thinking I'm going to be 80 tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Just, and that's the truth, man. Feels like that. Then you get over the hill, you get over the hump, and then uh, it's all good. Then it's then it, you, it's just fine. You stop giving a fuck and. Uh, it's all good. Trust me. That's why you're a good role model to have in our lives, man. And fun starts. Yeah. I'm, I'm watching you thrive. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, no, seriously, like I, so this is not really what's new, but this is just me paying you a compliment in real time. Um, I, I like having people in my life that are older than me that I can look to for, for a good example, good guidance, you know, because there's plenty of people older than me that I can look at for, examples of what not to do you know that's pretty well i appreciate that calm so yeah Very yeah much so that means a lot to me yeah, yeah it, it, you're not the worst <laughs> yeah 
you're not the worst. That's not what I said, but I'm glad that's what you took away from that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe. Uh so Doug, what's new with what's new what's with you? New with me. Uh I get yeah, I'm 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 looking at the stuff that's laying around me on my desk. I'm falling further down the hole. Thank you, Will Lehu. <laughs> the synth hole. And uh <laughs> it's scary. I talked about it last night on Just Surprise Me that I've got to stop because hole. I'm good yeah, the synth hole. Um I got a synth hole for because you. Because Eric is gonna start noticing the accumulation of equipment. So oh my god, I gotta stop, man. But it's fun. It just see it's just a fun thing because there's so much to learn, but it's fun stuff to learn. Like you can start making noises right out of the gate. Yeah. And then learn about the stuff, you know, as, as to how to sample and sequence and all that shit, which I'm doing. It gets a little overwhelming, but I'm having a freaking blast with it. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much been my week. You know, work's been busy, but anytime I'm not working, I'm doing that. That's really cool. Or I'm crying watching movies. Oh. So I got a bone to pick with you about that in a little while. I know that. But how about you? What do you got going? Uh, well, I, I had to take a pause on working on the music that I've been doing at home. But since you're getting into that, and I want to include as many of my friends as I can on this project when it eventually gets to that point, I'd love to be able to throw you some stuff and have you you know, lay down some synth on it. Oh, shit. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. It's It's more in the pop punk side of yeah, things yeah. so it's um i'm flexible but yeah we can have some fun with it all right cool. uh, yeah new with me man it's just uh it's it's getting busy so i'll mention that not next week well i'm not sure when this is good yeah i guess the week this comes out i don't know I'm, this comes out friday it's a lot like time travel this this school <laughs> and and this wasn't even the uh yeah um, Don't worry, I can go back and completely just act like I didn't play the Blood Hunger at the beginning of this episode. You might, you might have to. All I gotta do is go in and come out of the closet. Yeah, well, if we get a letter from Mo that Bloodhound Gang is suing us, you might have to do that. Um, I don't even think Jimmy Papa Holly is still alive. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh no. Sorry. Rest in peace. Uh, Rough living. Rough living. Yeah. No. So shows. Uh, MyCon is coming up. We're we're doing my con i'm splitting a booth with the crew at semantics so sam and trap will be out there nice. with nice. some uh some giveaways and and i think they're going to be doing a mobile show so um talking to different artists and different people in the kind of uh convention community should be kind of cool and then after that it's MegaCon. MegaCon is the biggest show i do every year i'll be there you'll be there man every fucking cool. everyone i know will be there um just stay hydrated. That's all I have to say. <laughs> oh, you should really. Oh, you can't come in March. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Nope. March is off limits. Yep. But uh, that's yeah, why it's... I think about it. last year, the MyCon last year. Oh, I, yeah. I pulled some strings to get that shit done, even though yeah. it was like the very end of March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it was, it was a little. And you didn't even weird. complain about it or let us know. One week earlier, and I might have been fucked, but it worked out. So. Yeah. That was a beautiful little moment in time. I had so much. Right? It was really that. great. Yeah. I would love to be able to do another one. Maybe, uh, maybe this year, or, you know, yeah. however, however the stars align. Um, yeah. But uh, so yeah, MegaCon is going to be huge. Are we ready to run out OLE? Almost. We're almost ready to run out. OLE is a notoriously <laughs> shitty uh, yes. venue. And 
It would be hilarious if we rented it out. Yeah. You might have to bring the PA again. Yeah, I have one there apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that was um, the funniest fucking story. Yeah, but but aside from that, what's new with me is the excitement of of getting to view the movie that's picked for this show um, <laughs> when I haven't seen it is a very real thing for me because I've I've been so pleasantly surprised so many times. Um, very few duds, even you know, even though we talk shit. Joe has picked some movies I've never seen before that I've loved. And Doug has, has obviously picked some movies I've never seen before I love. And this was the same thing. So um, I'm going to talk to you about why that ruined my week. Um, <laughs> but I'll let you take it away, man, because I'm getting yeah. clumped just thinking about it. I, I Trust me, this was a tough decision for me. So uh, this, mo- this movie is very emotional for me. Um, every time I watch it, I generally break down and cry. Uh, that happened multiple times in the last week and a half watching it for the show. Uh, the movie is called About Time. Uh, it came out in October 2013. Um, it's written and directed by Richard Curtis. Um, if you are a fan of Love Actually, he wrote and directed Love Actually. Uh, he wrote Four Weddings and a Funeral. He wrote Yesterday. Um, oh, another movie I dig so much. What did yeah. he write yesterday? What? Okay. No, right, he, wrote it, he wrote it two <laughs> days ago. Also, um, this uh, this this movie was has a very very like apt title because when it ended, I was like about time. Yes, Ooh. I know. And and I, I think our reactions were predictable. We kind of knew what, going in what was going to happen. <laughs> we with the definitely did. Yeah. You know, I wasn't worried. I wasn't worried about how where people were going to fall with this. Um, and and I, I still picked it because I wasn't worried. It's all good. Uh, so yeah, Richard Curtis, he's got a knack for for. What Joe labeled correctly uh, when we were talking about it, uh, romantic comedies, rom-coms. Um, this one is more, to me, of a life story than a romantic comedy, but it does have those elements. It's definitely got the romance. It's definitely got the comedy, but it's got some again, heavy, serious, poignant, moving shit going on in it, too. Um, so, you know, more so than like Love Actually. Love Actually is also, that's like a Christmas staple for us in the Christ house, like since, you know, the movie came out a long time ago. Um, and we watched that every Christmas without fail, especially, you know, like Erica, myself and, and Hannah. Um, so I dig Richard Curtis's stuff. So when, when I saw this, you know, show up on the list back in 2013, I, it, it, we didn't go to the theater and see it, but, um, I was excited about it. I really dig it. So, um, I'll warn everyone. <laughs> This probably has the most clips I've ever picked for a movie just because if I talk about it, I'll cry. If I listen to it, I'll cry too, but at least I can mute my mic and catch my breath yeah, before yeah. I have to talk about it. So there's a lot of clips, but they're all pretty cool. Yeah, this is like so, a Joe level amount of clips. Yes. Yeah. I, I and that's what it is, Joe. It's funny because I did I, it's sort of a nod and an homage to you in that I said, fuck it, we're gonna go clip heavy with this one. Yeah. This is just you getting revenge on me. No, 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 no. I got movies that'll get revenge on you. This isn't one of them. I just, I just, you know. What's funny is you say that, but I think the movies you think would get revenge on me, I'd just be like, fine with. This one is one of those. I I hate. (laughs) But I'll be honest with you. I think this movie, because I even joked about the fact that when I picked it and then I watched it just to watch it, I realized maybe I shouldn't do this one. And I was really like teetering on pulling it out. (laughs) (laughs) I wish you would have. Which I obviously have a problem with in general. Um, but I'm doing this because this is, this movie's cathartic for me. This movie is very personal for me. 
Uh, not because uh, that's that's the wrong way. It's not it's not like I've experienced these things. Um, I kind of have, but um, it just it means a lot to me, and that's why I picked it. No other reason. I didn't pick it to torture Eric. I didn't pick it to torture Joe. I picked it because I dig this movie. It's just cutesy is all it is. It's a cutesy movie. Oh, no, 100%. And, and that's the thing. Good. That's me, yeah. though. I'm a sucker for that. Yeah. But Joe it, is right. It's a cute It's a cute movie. That's the perfect way to sum it up. And, but, you know, but, you're you either know. into that thing or, yeah. or you're not into that sort of thing. And I get it. So um, so you, we're going to. You, you didn't torture me. I, I'm going to tell you straight up before we even get to the end of this. This has, in one viewing, cemented itself in a place. Uh, how do I say it? Like the way you described it meant something to you, even though you didn't experience some of those things. Yeah. There were a lot of nuggets in this movie, things that I did experience just like with, with fatherhood and with falling right. in love and yep. like universal themes that just happened to hit in a very like specific and moving way. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's, yep. it's, it's on my Mount Rushmore of shit. I'll put on to make me feel Ooh, something see? for sure. That <laughs> yeah. means that means a lot to me. That does mean a lot to me. And uh, yeah. And regardless of how you feel about the genre and these kind of movies, it's a well done movie. Richard Curtis knows his shit and he does it well. What he does, he fucking does well. I mean, like I said, four weddings and a funeral love actually yesterday, the guy knows his stuff. So anyway, we are going to dive right into our first clip. Most of these clips are pretty friggin' long, but it's the only way to get the point across. So let's roll it, Joe. I always knew we were a fairly odd family. First, there was me. Too tall, too skinny, too orange. My mum was lovely, but not like other mums. There was something solid about her, something rectangular, busy and unsentimental. Her fashion icon was the queen. Dad, well, he was more normal. He always seemed to have time on his hands. After giving up teaching university students on his 50th birthday, he was eternally available for a leisurely chat or to let me win at table tennis. And then there was Mum's brother, Uncle Desmond. Always impeccably dressed, he spent the days just, uh, well, being Uncle Desmond. He was the most charming and least clever man you could ever meet. His mind was on other things, though we never found out what. And then finally, there was Catherine, Katie, Kit Kat, my sister. In a household of sensible jackets and haircuts, there was this, what can I call her, nature thing. With her elfin eyes, her purple t-shirts and her eternally bare feet. She was then, and still is to me, about the most wonderful thing in the world. All in all, it was a pretty good childhood, full of repeated rhythms and patterns. By the time I was 21, we were still having tea on the beach every single day. Skimming stones, eating sandwiches, summer and winter, no matter what the weather. And every Friday evening, a film, no matter what the weather. And then, once a year, the dreaded New Year's Eve party. All right, so in that clip, we meet the Lake family. Um, our main protagonist is Tim. He's played by Donald Gleason, um, the son of Brendan Gleason. And it's interesting that three of the leads in this movie, the two main leads, and even one of the other leads, none of them are British. 
<laughs> Tono Gleason is Irish and uh and Rachel McAdam is Canadian and uh Margot Kitty is uh um is Australian. So they all don their British accents for this. A lot of times we have British actors also, doing American I feel like roles. This could be white privilege the movie. <laughs> well, yes, I and I don't disagree. This movie is very white. Joe brought this up the other like, day. Way too white. It is very white. There's no such thing as too white. Oh yeah, there is. <laughs> Okay. Not I, a movie. I mean, you know. if you can tell me the one scene that had the black person in it, I'll give you a surprise because there's one but scene. See, I'm not worried about. I'm not worried about that because I know, I know Richard Curtis's body of work, and that's that was not his intention for this movie because in his other work he, he he doesn't have that issue at all. So for me, it's not an issue in this movie because I know that that's not. This isn't the writer. This isn't the director's choice for this movie. That's the only way this movie could have went. But. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't yeah. There's a lot of white folks in this movie, and, and they are they are definitely a privileged white folks. They were, but they were they were so grounded and lovely that it didn't yes. feel like uh, it didn't feel like you were just watching opulence. You know, what I mean, because they the, me- a- the the message is universal. The message yeah. of this movie is universal. I mean, it's just, it's about love and about family, and yeah. that doesn't matter what color you are. Um, so you- I I mentioned this to to Doug. But that song, uh, The Luckiest by Ben Folds, is a song I danced yeah. to my wife to at her wedding. So every time I hear that song just in life, I cry. <laughs> Never mind juxtaposed to what we're about yeah. to fucking go through here. I know. We're, uh, yeah, Follow You, Follow Me by Genesis is our song. So that's uh, that comes on and we're both blubbering like babies. So yeah, I man. completely get it. You know, Ben Folds is an amazing songwriter. Yeah. His, yeah, yeah. The lyrics to his shit, are absolutely out of this world you know i dig that guy um a lot um so yeah so we meet the lake family they sort of describe their their privileged life they live a good life they live on the ocean in cornwall england in a pretty big house and 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 things are cushy there's no question about that um and and Tim is exactly the way he described it: too tall, too thin, and too orange. He's a ginger, um, and he he embraces that fact. So um, he mentions at the end of the clip that it is now the family's yearly New Year's Eve party. We hear the music start to kick in. Um, we see Tim doing the normal New Year's Eve party stuff. He's talking to his friends. One of his friends almost you know knocks a table over and spills wine everywhere. That's Jay. He's sort of an interesting character. Um, we see his uh, aforementioned sister Kit Kat uh, connecting and meeting Jimmy, who will play a central role in this movie. This is where she first meets him at this party. So at midnight, everyone's standing around doing the countdown. Tim is standing next to a girl named Polly, who is very much looking forward to getting a, a nice New Year's Eve kiss. And Tim fucks it up so bad. It's embarrassing. I, it's like I get embarrassed for him and for her watching this because he yeah. totally cringed it, and he shakes her hand. What's she from? She's, what's she that? She's so familiar. I can't place. You her. know, it's funny because I I've said that every time I watch it, and I look it up, and she's just been in a lot of shit, Joe. But it's mostly British stuff. But yeah. it's like she never had a big role, but she's been in so many things. But she, you know, who she looks like? She looks like, um, and now I can't remember the actor's name from um, Game uh, Game of Thrones. She was the waif. She looks like the waif. Oh, she kind of does. For the yeah. guy with no name. You know what I mean? And that's yeah, yeah. where I think the connection is. It's not her, but it looks like her. So mm. I get them confused. So I think she, we think she's been in more than she has. Is she just um, horny British chicken like most shows? 
<laughs> yes, that's the that's the title. Her name is Polly, but yes, she could be horny British. Oh, polyamorous. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> She moved on from Tim. She tried someone what? else. Then she tried hey, Tim and someone else. All I'm saying is she's in the right place if Paulie wants a cracker. <laughs> <laughs> There's enough of them. Hold on a second. That might be the funniest thing you've ever said on this show. <laughs> that worked on so many levels, Joe. Oh, yeah. really I'll take it. That just worked. That worked so many ways. That was uh, that was excellent. Yes. So, uh, so yes, I mean, Polly's mortified. Tim is embarrassed. He knows he just did a fucking stupid thing. So in any case, it's the next morning. Tim wakes up. He's hungover. Uh, Kit Kat comes barging into his room. Uh, She's played by Lydia Wilson. She does a great job in this movie. She's also somebody who's not been in a ton of stuff, you know, other than like one, two, three episodes here and there. But she does. She did a great job in this movie. Um, So uh, she comes into his room to just bust his balls, wake him up and and let him know that, that dad wants to talk to him. Um, so we have now another clip and we're going to roll it. Ah, Tim, come in. Uh, do sit down. It's very formal. Well, um, yeah, this is an odd moment for me because I had the same moment with my father when I just turned 21 and after it, my life was never the same. So I approach it pretty um, nervously. Okay. When you're ready, it's all very mysterious. Uh, right. Tim, my dear son, uh, the, uh, the simple fact is the men in this family have always had the ability to This is going to sound strange. Be prepared for strangeness. Get ready for spooky time. Uh, But there's this family secret. And the secret is that the men in the family can travel in time. Well, more accurately, travel back in time. We can't travel into the future. This is such a weird joke. It's seriously not a joke. So you're saying that you and Grandad and his brothers could all travel back in time? Absolutely. And you still do? Absolutely. Although it's not as dramatic as it sounds. It's only in my own life. I can only go to places where I actually was and can remember. I can't kill Hitler or shag Helen of Troy, unfortunately. Okay, stop. Um, If it's true, uh, which it isn't. Although it is. Although it isn't, obviously. But if it was, which it's not. Which it is. Which it isn't. But if it was, how would I actually... how is the easy bit, in fact. You go into a dark place. Big cupboards are very useful, generally. Toilets at a pinch. Then you clench your fists like this. Think of the moment you're going to, and you'll find yourself there. After a bit of a stumble and a rumble and a tumble. Wow. Is as good a reaction as any. I think I plumped for fuck. No, this is so obviously a joke. It's not a joke. Why would I lie to someone I'm fairly fond of? Okay. But when I come back downstairs after standing in a cupboard with my fist clenched, you're going to be in so much trouble. Well, let's see, shall we? Mm. Oh, and Tim, try and do something interesting. So much trouble. I mean it, really. Yeah. So I, this is the point 
that I realized Bill Nighy is just 80 year old Matt Smith from Doctor Who. See, those references get a little lost on me because even though I promised I would watch Doctor Who, I never did. He, uh. it just like, he just looks like if you were to take Matt Smith and age him like 40 years, it looks like exactly the same person. He same does. facial expression, yeah. same acting, same over the top, the bow tie, everything. Yeah. The, the, bow tie. the only thing that really made me like connected to Doctor Who was the whole time travel aspect. Yeah, that makes sense. It does. I like how the time travel is, is, you know, hand-waved. Like, they don't spend a yes. lot of time with, with movie bullshit about how it works. It's nope. just like, no. Nah, Richard just... Curtis was very clear about the fact that the time travel was just... Yeah, because it was fucked up otherwise. Realistically and, and, and otherwise a vehicle for the movement of the story. That's all it is. Yeah. He's not, he's not going to go out of his way to explain anything, to justify anything. There's plot holes in it. There's no question. There's Tons plot holes in it. I don't care. Um, because that's not what the movie's about. It's like, for me, I, I like I've talked about a hundred times, it's like Lost. So many people got so wrapped up in the minutia of Lost, the, the fucking tech and the, and the time travel and, and the polar bears and all this shit. And all it was was a show about a group of people who needed each other in order to get where they needed to get. And that's the end of it. That's all it is. The rest of the stuff was bullshit. The rest of the stuff was there to move the story along. But in the end, that's all it was about. It was about those people and their lives. And that's what this movie is about. The time travel is just there to move the story forward. Ha ha. And back and forward and back. Yeah. So in that clip, we meet, uh, we meet, um, Tim's can they, dad. Can they call this movie about lessons, about life lessons then, and not about time? Cause apparently it's it is not about, about time, time. But, but it's absolutely 100% about time, Joe. That's what it's about. And how you it's spend about, your time. And yeah. how you handle the time that you have. That's yeah. what it's about. Um, so, uh, Dad's played by Bill Nighy, so you know him again from Love Actually, from Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Valkyrie, like a shit ton of stuff. I learned something because I noticed that when Bill Nighy talks, and you look at his hands, his ring finger and his pinky finger are tucked into his hand in every single scene in this movie, and then I remembered in every fucking scene I've ever seen this guy in. And he has something that I have. But obviously not to that extent. It's called, and I'm not even trying to pronounce it. It's uh, Dupuytren's contracture. Hmm. It's where the it's where the ligaments in your hands contract, and if it gets bad enough, it can pull your fingers into your palm. Hmm. And and you because so Bill Nye he walks around like this all the time. Yeah, I thought that was a choice. Then, <laughs> yeah, so did I exactly. But then I remembered seeing him in every movie that you see his hands. His hands are like that. And I looked it up, and that's what he has. Interesting. And I've got the very beginning stages of it. You can feel like a knot, right, under each finger in your palm. Just this little ball of, of the tendon or whatever it is starting to fucking, like, get together. So I've got to go have it checked out now because just realizing that's what he had scared the living shit out of me because I've, I've known oh. I've had it, but I, have, I haven't had it diagnosed yet. Okay. So. I, I think there are exercises and stuff you can do, but hmm. I'm going to see my doctor just because I, it's that both hands are like that. So I have no problem with need contractions. To go, both of you guys need to go to the fucking doctor. I know, right? I've been past. going to my doctor for everything. I just didn't think about this the last time I was there. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of cool references, like coincidental references in his conversation with, with with Tim in that he talked about he can't go back and kill Hitler or shag Helen of Troy. So he he Bill Nye he played one of the Nazis who plotted to kill Hitler and Valkyrie. <laughs> and uh 
Donald Gleason's dad, Brendan, played, I forget the character in the movie Troy, who was married to Helen Troy. So it's again, it's total random bullshit, but it's out there. I saw it in the trivia. I thought it was pretty cool. So, uh, so Tim, you know, to humor his dad and also to beat the shit out of his dad, if you know, when he when we find out he's lying, he goes upstairs to the cupboard and he does exactly what his dad told him to do. He clenches his fist, he closes his eyes, he thinks about going back in time. He opens his eyes and he's in the cupboard, but he's wearing different clothes. And we hear the music from the party last night going. So he does, in fact, time travel. Um, he's very confused, but he gets out. He goes downstairs. Um, he bumps into Jay. And it, it, this time stops Jay from knocking the table over and spilling a wine all over everybody. And he arrives just before midnight. So he does that with the table. Then he goes into the living room. And they're doing the countdown, and he stands next to Polly. And at midnight, he plants a kiss on her. And it's just, it's nice because he realized what an ass he was. And that's the one thing he fixed. Even though he didn't think time travel was going to be real, that his dad was joking him, he picked that time because he wanted to fix that because he felt awful about what he did to Polly. So he, he lays a kiss on her. They kiss at midnight. She is absolutely beside herself, happy. And you can see it's not even like she's, I don't know. I'm I'm like extrapolating here, but it's not even like she's saying, oh, now I have a boyfriend. She just wanted a proper kiss at midnight and and Tim did it and made her New Year's, you know, and probably set her up for a great year and him too. So um, it's pretty cool. So he finishes back. He finishes, goes back up to the cupboard and, you know, snaps himself back into the present, um, immediately goes to talk to his dad again. Uh, and they talk about the experience. He brings up the butterfly effect. And dad's like, well, none of us have ever really screwed anything up, uh, you know, if we keep it simple. So, you know, it should be fine. Um, we're going to learn there's more rules to this than, than his dad filled him in on in the beginning. Uh, but again, it's one of the it's one of the scenes where they're not diving deep into the theory of time travel. It's not what the right. movie is about. So, you know, um, they talk about what Tim should do with his newfound, you know, ability um, Tim talks about getting a better haircut, <laughs> which is true. He needs one. Uh, he'd like more money, but his dad sort of shoes him off that idea because it never goes well. Uh, they talk about uncle Fred being miserable and that, you know, his dad's never met a, uh, a truly happy rich person, which I don't argue about that. That's all right. I'd like to at least try it to confirm or deny that. There's uh, gotta be fucking happy rich people. Yeah, I think I think so. I think you can. I think what I think is I think if you're a happy or if you're a good person before you have the money, you'll be a good person once you have the money. If you're a dick, you're a dick. You could be poor and be a dick or rich and be a dick. So I think there's whatever. I, I, don't, I, I will I don't, steal a joke from a notorious joke stealer. Have you ever seen anybody riding a jet ski with a frown on their face? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So um yeah, I that's we can we can talk about that another time. But uh, Tim's focus then moves to getting a girlfriend as what he what he deems the mothership. And you could tell his dad is like, all right, you, you'll learn. <laughs> that's that's not really what what you need, because the bottom line of the message his dad's trying to get across from is you, you should use the power to make your life how you want it to be. And that's the cool thing about this is because you don't need time travel to make your life the way you want it to be. You just got to decide what you, how you want your life to be. I, I'm not, I'm simplifying that. You know, it just doesn't happen. You've got to work at it and it might not happen or it might happen. I'm reading a book now, the subtle art of not giving a fuck and the, ha the, the secret to happiness from what I understand from the 
quarter of the book I've read is that life will always have problems. It's what you do with those problems that makes happiness. Okay. You, you got to accept the fact that there will be times when you are not happy. It's how you handle that and move forward. That will make your life happy because you can turn them into good problems. So that's like part of the message to this movie. So um, we now learn and Tim narrates this whole movie. Uh, that's one of the other reasons why there's a lot of clips in here. Uh, it's just easy to have him explain what's going on. So he lets us know that Jimmy, who, who is Kit Kat's boyfriend and the central troublemaker in the background of this fucking movie, um, his cousin and Kit Kat's friend, Charlotte, who's played by Margot Robbie, um, one of her early roles, uh, you know, she's very young in this movie. It's 2013. Uh, she had done a few things before this. She's going to uh, stay with the family at, at this beautiful house uh, uh, for the summer. And Tim sees her and is immediately smitten. I mean, who's not? It's Margot Robbie. I know. Like, I mean, I saw her and I was, like, I was like, okay. I was like, I'm, I'm I like, see you. I'm like, Mr. Curtis, good choice for that role. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so he fumbles through through the summer. He fumbles through various plots and flirting schemes that he has uh, involving suntan lotion and, and tennis. And he uses his powers to go back and forth, but nothing he does works. It, it it it's just which again is a message to this you know there is a definitely a message there that you know it, it's the time travel is not going to fix everything okay Be, that ability won't fix everything you've got to deal with it yourself and, and do what you got to do uh so he he decides on the last night of the summer she's getting ready to leave uh he goes to a room and he professes his love to her but he strikes out again she tells him Oh, if you would, if you would only come to me on the first night, we could have seen how it had gone. So, <laughs> he's got the ability, travels back in time to the first night, and he goes to see her right away. And she tells him, "Oh, maybe you should wait till the last night." So she's just fucking with him, right? Yeah. Even though she's not aware of what's going on, it's just her nature, right? She's uh, treating him like a regular Joker. Exactly. <laughs> very, very good. Uh, so, uh, so it's at this point, the summer's over now. Uh, it doesn't work out for Tim. Um, Charlotte leaves cause the end of the summer and pretty much the next day, which this has already been planned. Obviously Tim is moving to London to start his life as an adult. So we've got another clip. Big lesson. Number one, all the time travel in the world can't make someone love you. So the love of my life just drove away. And the very next day, it was my turn to leave. There you go. And spend it all at once. Thanks. Don't call too often. Your mother doesn't like to be disturbed. (laughs) Okay. to London in search of a future and a girlfriend. I was staying in St. John's Wood near Abbey Road with a playwright friend of my dad's called Harry. It's always nice to have family connections when you're a new kid in town. 
What the fuck do you want? I'm James's son. Who? James Lake. What about him? He said you had a room. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, you just of, like I did when I watched it. You fell asleep. I know. No, I. I just this is about the point. Minutes. I did fall asleep watching this movie. Okay. So, uh, so yeah. So we meet. Uh, we meet Tim's dad's friend Harry, who's a playwright, and uh, just a fuckface of a person, but in a good way. He's the guy um, I like the most in this whole movie. I think. Yeah, Tom Hall. Tom Holland is is he's a treasure in this fucking movie. Him and the guy who plays Uncle Desmond. Um, yeah, I like they, him too. They steal, they steal every scene in this movie, and and Harry is just, he's this fucking curmudgeon fucker who, you know, after he, after he does let Tim in the house, they're walking upstairs. He points to a picture of his wife and says, "Yeah, she's the best woman I ever met. She left me though, so fuck her." And he brings her into his daughter's room, which is where Tim's going to stay. And shows a picture of her daughter and says, "You can have sex with her if you want." Apparently, everybody else is, <laughs> you know, so. Like he's just, it's just the way he is. He's just this cantankerous, not even old fuck. He's like, you know, in his fifties, early fifties, and he's just this, this nasty fuck. But he's funny. Um, so we go, we have sort of, it's sort of a montage, but it's not. But it's a really cool way that Richard Curtis demonstrates the passage of time. So this movie takes place over about eight years from the start to finish of the movie. And it's just cool the way that he seamlessly just lets you know that time has passed. Like, and I, I just, I love the way he does it because you don't think about it and you go, holy fuck, oh no, it's, it's this many years later and, and, or this much time later. So we, we see Tim, he, he heads to work for his first day of work. He's a lawyer. Um, he meets Rory, who's going to become one of his best friends. And he meets this horrible new boss <laughs> who's just a prick too. Um, and then, yeah, it's just more stuff moves forward so you know that it's not the next day anymore. He's settled into his routine at work. He talks about the fact that he still love is elusive to him, um, you know, because lawyering is very, you know, guy-oriented and, and so on. So um, his friend Jay, who we met at the party, the guy who knocked the table over at the party at the beginning of the movie, uh, he comes down to London for a visit. And Tim and, and Jay head to a restaurant. And this is a real restaurant, or was at least then in London at the time. It's it's a restaurant that all the all the, the staff, the servers are all blind, and dinner is served in the dark, yeah. complete darkness. It's a really cool concept because you you know it also seems extremely dangerous. Yeah, but they did it. It's real. I, I don't know. know how they do it, but they do it. They must have rounded corners on tables and shit. I'm talking about more like but, the knives and like forks um, trying to stick things in I your know, mouth. I know, but like somehow they pulled it off because the restaurant, it, I don't know if it's still in business. It could be, but it was in business for a very long time. So yeah, like I saw, worked. I saw something on it on like the Food Network one time. Yeah. And, yeah. And it always seemed like such a cool concept, like right. really letting your taste buds do all the work and exactly. how, how changes the experience and all that. Uh, the exactly. worst part is like, you can really hear Gordon Ramsay calling people donkeys in the background. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> what are, what are you? I'm an idiot sandwich. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> it's raw. <laughs> exactly. You donkey. Exactly. <laughs> you donkey. So so they go to this restaurant and they are seated next to uh, who will 
find uh, out to be is Joanna, uh, played by Vanessa Kirby, um, who you know her from if you're a Fast and Furious fan. She's in Hobbs and Shaw. She plays Shaw's sister uh, in, in the movie. And she's she, she got nominated, either nominated or won an Oscar, too. And I should know for what, but I don't remember. And Mary, who was played by Rachel, Rachel McAdam. Um, and they're seated next to them, and then the flirting immediately begins. Jay, Jay's just a goofy ass. He doesn't care. He just puts himself out there and does and says stupid things. Uh, he's going after Joanna. Even though, you know, they can't see each other. Um, but Tim and Mary, they're getting along really, really well, like right out of the gate. You can tell there's a spark there. Um, the, the, there's flirting, but it's it's more than flirting. They are definitely, like I said previously, they are smitten with each other from the first words they speak to each other. Um, so it's at this point during this in the dark conversation, we learn that that uh, Mary has a, a, a big love for Kate Moss and, and, and Kate Moss's career and just what she, what Kate Moss has done with her life. She's impressed with that and she really digs it. So they make plans to meet outside. Um, Joanna comes out first and Jay is all over her. He's like, oh, wow, what a babe. Like right to her. He says that, you know, and it's because it's just Jay. It's just what he is, you know. Um, they go off because Joanna just wants to get away from Jay and Tim finally gets to meet Mary. She comes out of the restaurant and we have another clip. Yeah, this is a clip of old movie. Yes. Um, she and Jay just, she took him to, I, I don't know. Uh, right. Oh, well, I guess I, I'd better, um... Would it be very wrong if I asked you for your number? No. Just in case I ever, you know, had to call you about... Stuff. Mm. Okay. this phone was old and shit but suddenly it's my most valuable possession you really like me even my frock i love your frock and um my hair it's not too brown i love brown <laughs> my fringe is new the fringe is perfect the fringe is the best fit You will. Okay. Good. Good night. Good night. The buttons on your collar. The color of your hair. I think I see. Yeah, I, I love that song in there for the end of that just because I needed to get emotional. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it just, again, it's a great soundtrack that that's just every song is very appropriate for the scene. So, so we see that again, we see the meat, we see the instant spark. We see the fact that they both already realized that they are the love of each other's lives. And do they you know, really though? It just looks like Joe, a meat cube. Joe, Joe, for, for those of us with a heart, yes, that's what they realized. But I, I mean, how could you know that you're in love with somebody based on the fact that like Kate Moss and have a hair frock? I knew I was in love with Erica and she was the love of my life the day I met her. The day I fucking met her. And in fact, the day I met her was a blind date that she didn't want to go on and she was a bitch. And I still <laughs> I still said, this is the one I'm going to marry. And guess yeah, what? Joe, Joe me 40 too, years later, man. We're still going. My wife, dude, I, I knew the fucking day I met her. You know how we, we uh, crossed paths? We had to go to mm-hmm. Burger King to pick up a shack pack for my bass player. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's the most unromantic situation any there two people have been in. But exactly. I, I just knew. What's your sense yeah. of romance, man? Well, mine was, mar- mine was married to someone else when I met her. <laughs> so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, so yeah. So, within the context of the movie, right, they know that they this is the love of their life. And we are excited for Tim. We're excited for Mary and we hope things are going to start moving forward. Uh, Tim heads home. You can see he's floating. He's absolutely beside himself uh, floating. Uh, when he gets in the house, he comes home to a very distraught Harry. Um, Harry's new play, which he's labored on for a decade, um, opened that night and it went to shit very quickly because as Harry described the lead actor having the most active dry in the history of theater and a dry is when an actor forgets their lines and he described it as 30 minutes of silence so <laughs> what could have been the best play ever turned into a shit show for him because of tim's nature and his selfishness he without even thinking he immediately goes into the cupboard he goes back in time to before the play is starting, he goes to visit the lead actor uh, who who plays uh, Papa Dursley in uh, Richard Griffiths is the actor's name. This is his last role, by the way. But he played uh, Daddy Dursley in, in the Harry Potter movies, which is kind of funny because when, when Tim walks in, he goes, uh, Harry sent me. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so there's, a, there's definitely a Harry Potter reference there. Uh, also, not intentional. I don't know how a body becomes that shape. <laughs> He's a large man. But it's He's not just large, large. it's like it's weird. It's completely round. He he looks yeah. like Violet from Correct. Willy yeah. Like, he looks like a blueberry. I don't know how this is possible. <laughs> yeah, he he is absolutely round as a human. I, it, it is unique. I agree, Joe. Yeah. This is what I want to work out that this is how Joe's mind works. So we're, <laughs> we're this deep into this movie and this scene comes on and, and he's actively pondering the physics of how this man, it's like, how, where are your bones? Yeah, like, <laughs> how does this work? Like I'm trying to figure the physics of this out. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, he, he, Tim politely asks the actor if he's comfortable with the lines because it's, you know, it's a very complicated play, you know, are you, are you comfortable? Maybe you should just go through them one more time. The, the actor, the guy just wants to choke him out. I mean, he wants to punch him right in the throat. He's like, you know, get the fuck out of here. Right? I'm an actor. I know what I'm doing. But when Tim leaves, he does pick up the, the script and he reads the lines again. So, you know, we're, we're sitting here thinking that everything's good, that Tim did his job. 
He sits down with Harry and the play starts and they get to the climax of the play and the actor who Tim talked to reads his lines and it, and it goes great. The audience is enthralled. Then the other lead actor gets up and he's the one who had the drive. He freezes and we're about to relive the whole thing again. Um, Tim gets up and he pulls the Bugs Bunny, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, tripping over the people in the, in the row to get out. He goes back in time again. And this time he appears on in the wings with some hastily drawn cue cards for the actor. So the actor starts his dry, starts forgetting his lines, but he sees the cue cards. He gets through it and the audience erupts. It, it's a gigantic hit. Harry is a genius. Everything's great. Um, Tim sees him afterwards downstairs. Harry's flirting with, with an audience member there at, at the bar and he busts Tim's balls about getting up right before the climax of the play. Uh, Tim is, of course, ecstatic, and he wants to share this news with nobody but Mary. He pulls his phone out and realizes that Mary's number is gone because he went back in time and he never met her. So he's fucking mortified. I mean, he's a, he doesn't know what to has no idea what to do because now she doesn't know who he is. He doesn't have a number. He has no way to find her. He runs to the restaurant to ask the, the Mater D. And yes, he remembers those two girls. Uh, one's the most beautiful girl in the old world. The other one sort of dressed like a prostitute. <laughs> he goes, yeah, I remember them. <laughs> but they were walk-ins and they paid by cash. So I have no information for you. So his life is over. Um, he wakes up the that, next that morning. Was, that was so important, man. Like having, yes. having watched the entirety of the film, showing what he's willing to sacrifice. Right you know of his own personal gain mm -hmm. i think was really important because when you, when you have a movie where someone can play with time and do whatever they want you get into the groundhog day of it yes we're like is this character going to be relatable is he going to be a dickhead is he going to be selfish and right. do things that you as an audience member feel weird about you know mm -hmm. what i mean mm -hmm. and your mileage may vary with that i think we're going to find out that that Joe's mileage varied with that a little differently than, than mine did. But yeah. I thought that that went a long way into showing like, okay, this guy is, we're rooting for him. He, right. You know right out I mean? of the gate. Exactly. Yeah. Even without thinking his first thought is to use his powers for good. Yeah. <laughs> he's like the superhero, not see the for me though. The way I read that first scene was he's going back to fucking save himself from the embarrassment of not kissing her. So he's not going to do something for her. He's doing it for him. The whole time he's doing it, everything is, is for no. him selfishly, except for this one no. thing with the lines. No, that's not true but, because he but, wouldn't have done this for Harry if he yeah, was like that. Except he for wouldn't this, have done it. But everything else he does is for him. Well, no, not. that's not true, Absolutely man. Absolutely not true. I mean, true at the all. way I observe it, it is. How is trying to save your sister twice? But he doesn't. <laughs> he fucking, once he realizes that it's going to undermine his once, he's like, sorry, fuck you. You in the accident, I'll tell you after the accident. Nah, we'll 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 okay. talk about that when we get to it. But yeah. nah, right. I gotta. Nah, nah he, so, he realizes he's like, fuck. I either get my kid or my sister. So like, I'm just saying, like, he doesn't choose his no, sister. He realizes I can't have it all. So some things because time travel isn't flawless, I have to let play out, and I've got to uh, find a different way to save my sister. And guess what? He saved his sister a different way, and still had his kid. And we'll get to that. So the next morning he wakes up, Harry is basking in his glory. He's reading every newspaper article, article he can. Um, and he's thrilled and it's great. He's earned it. I mean, the play, the play is a success. Uh, while Harry is showing Tim 
the newspaper, Tim sees a, an, an advertisement for a Kate Moss retrospective at a local gallery or museum. We're not sure. And he realizes that this is his in it. She's got to go to this thing because she's a big Kate Moss fan. And he's going to go there and stalk her is the right word. Joe, Joe mm-hmm. mentioned it. He's a fucking yeah, he's stalker gonna, and it's creepy as fuck. He's going to stalk her, but it's absolutely not creepy. If oh, you it's so fucking creepy. And your head around the fact that they are meant to be together. Well, I mean, That's he thinks it. that. That doesn't necessarily mean she so thinks that. She. she doesn't so think it at this she. point in time. She doesn't. She's she like, does. absolutely. She's like, this does. guy's fucking creeping me out. Can we get the fuck out of here? That's right. And that's the way. And this is what I know. I'm not. Don't want to steal your thunder, Eric. But this is how they make it okay because she does think he's a creep because she doesn't know him. Yeah. But. Yeah, but what if somebody in real her, life fucking did this? Like, no, this is not real life. It's a fucking movie. Oh. It's a movie to make you feel good about yourself. It ain't. It doesn't make right. me feel good. I'm like fucking. I, like, I can't help you then. Like, oh, I can't. I'm not your I'm therapist. Like, oh, I can't help guy you. Is fucking creepy. I as can't fuck. help you. I'm not your therapist. I'm sorry. Okay. So I anyway, can't help you. Anyway, it's literally like like fucking. He's not taking. He walks up and touches her. Too. He's like, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You fucking creep. Tim heads to the retrospective to find Mary. I love they play the cure. Uh, what is it? What's the song? Is Everyone it one day I'm in love? The world? No, <laughs> that's in this movie. I forget the name of the song, but it's the, it's the song by the cure where he talks about Monday. I'm in love Tuesday. I'm this Wednesday. I'm oh this. yeah. It's a happy song. That's not really happy. It's great because he's there for days. Like this thing is a week or two weeks long and he's there every day waiting to find Mary. Okay. And it's, it's a great song to convey that waiting. Um, Kit Kat joins him. So we learn, you know, she joins him at, at the museum. Um, Kit Kat, we learn, is in London as well. Um, we also learn that she's broken up with Jimmy again. Um, she has lost her job again. So her life is not going as well as Tim's is going in London. Um, also, so, how what did he explain to her to get her there? Like, I'm going to hit on this random girl that I met and then fucked it's up. It's a girl that I met. It's a girl. Right. It's a girl that I met that I want to meet again and I just need your support. And the but, sister being as close as she is with him said, sure, let's do it. She doesn't see you like can, when she gets there, like, dude, you never met this chick before. <laughs> I, she didn't say that, but see also based on our description or the description we're given a Kit Kat, this is right up her alley. It's all mystical. I mean, she doesn't even know about the time travel yet, but it's just, it's a thing. He saw her. He thinks it's the love of his life. She's going to help him get there because that's what they do. Cause they love each other. This That's literally is, has Jeff. stalker written all over it. Like, no, it, it absolutely doesn't. In any For other circumstance, people. if a guy just looks at a girl and goes, that's right. my girl, I'm going to go get her no matter what, and just walks up to Again, her and just fucking touches her and then tells her her name, like this creepiest Again, <laughs> if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have had Erica because I met her. She was not the nicest person that night, but I didn't care, and I pursued her. And 40 years later, we're still together. But she remembered and not being nice to you. Like, it wasn't secondly, like she didn't know you didn't exist and you came to secondly, nowhere. And secondly, and more importantly, it's a fucking movie. There it is. Okay. There it is. It's a fucking movie. It's still it creepy. Life. But but even, even in the context of it being a movie, the idea of it, if you knew that the love of your life and following that path depended on you coming off as a little weird and creepy would you not 
sort of right. just do Hold whatever on. you what had to Pauly do. What if Pauly Shore and Stefan Baldwin knew the girls in the biodome were the love of their life because they were in a fucking loop and they grabbed their asses and all of a sudden it's fucking rape. But in this movie, this weird fucking creepy ginger comes up to this girl that does not know him at all, starts touching her, says his name, her name. Uh, no. Story <laughs> in biodome, the story in biodome doesn't involve that. This That's story true. 100% does involve that, Joe. Why? Because it's a fucking movie. And also, if Polly Shore was in this written. role, it wouldn't have worked. It, right. Yeah. You, <laughs> you wouldn't, you wouldn't have in. followed Polly Shore to hell. Like, you know, I can't even do it. It's so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> know, exactly. Polly Shore with a British accent, go. <laughs> no. Oh, God. No. You're about, about no. to melt my brain. Exactly. That'll hurt. That'll hurt. Oh. I'm talking aneurysms. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, uh, what's your name? What's his name? We just died of an aneurysm. I feel awful. Saving oh. Private Ryan guy. Oh, yeah. What is this? Oh, man. Now I feel Tom Sizemore. Rest in peace, go. anyway. Oh, shit. I didn't hear about that. Bad joke about aneurysm. Anyway, uh, so it's at this point when he finds out that that uh, Kit Kat's time in London isn't going as well as his. He sees Mary. Um, I, I describe it as very badly introducing himself because it is. It's awkward. It's fucking awkward. It, it's a little cringe. But in the context of what he's trying to accomplish and what she wants him to accomplish, even though she doesn't know it yet, it's all good. Um, through his persistence, uh, they do, he does get to hang out with her for a bit. Um, he sort of shoes off Kit Kat, um, you know, but it's funny. The one thing I, I wanted to bring up is that if you watch this movie, pay attention to the reactions of the characters around what's going, the central point of what's going on in that scene. Because when Kit Kat, when he says, well, I need someone to hang out with because my sister's leaving right now. And Kit Kat's standing there. And she looks at looks at him for a second, like indignant, like you shoo me off. But when she walks away, before she goes around the corner, she gives a glance back with the biggest smile on her face because she knows what's going on here. She doesn't know on a conscious level, of course, but she knows that there's something there between these two and that she was a part of making it happen. And she's got a smile on her face. And like Tim's dad, the same way. There's so many scenes where... There's something going on and you look at him because he knows what's going on. He knows that Tim just traveled in time to get done what he needed to get done. And he's just giving him this look and it's so beautiful. And it's something that Richard Curtis does a lot. He does it at Love Actually as well. And and, and even in Yesterday, he does it. So it's just a cool little thing that you should keep your eye out for. So uh, Kit Kat leaves. They do get to hang out. But it's at this point that Tim, they sit down for a quick bite and Tim finds out that she has a boyfriend and he's like, wow, that was fast. <laughs> and she's like, well, yeah, we've been, we just been together for a week. We met a week ago and uh, you know, I dig him. And his idea to use his powers is to find out exactly when and where they met because he will use the powers to make sure that he meets her first. Okay. The boyfriend's name is Rupert. He's a bit of a goof. We don't feel bad for him because he's a bit of a goof and he'll be fine. Um, yeah, once again, this, this is him now using it selfishly to like fuck somebody else over. Not selfishly. They are meant to be together, Joe. In his you mind. Know, how many like mind. how many serial killers mm -hmm. like in psycho oh stalkers say that we were Guess meant what, to be Joe? together? We were meant to be together. We watched it. I've watched this movie 50 times. There isn't a single serial killer in this whole fucking movie. There's not one. <laughs> I'm sure there not is. one. Not even they hit the one. So we don't have to worry about the serial kills in this movie. Mm. Because they don't exist. This is what it's like psycho stalkers are like, we are meant to Only be together. Only two people in love, Joe. That's all they are. There are two people in love mm. who are meant to be together. They're star-crossed lovers, and they will be together. 
Okay, Romeo and Juliet. I'm not buying it. Was Romeo a fucking stalker? No, kind of wasn't. They were star-crossed lovers who were meant to be together. And also, your and argument least, your argument is weird in that yes, this movie is could weird. Say those things. <laughs> well, that's fine, but a stalker could say the same things as someone who's genuine, genuinely in love with someone. It's apples and oranges, man. Like just because a stalker has the ability to say like oh, i'm in love with you right. that's called being okay. a sociopath and tim's not a sociopath that's a that's a stalker that's a sociopath right. this character they've already shown you who he is on the inside at this point yes. he's not patrick bateman okay right. he is the right. opposite of patrick bateman i don't know I, so, so never gonna convince you, me you shouldn't you shouldn't still I know be that. running into like who is this guy like what's his fucking agenda here like right they, they've already made that pretty clear at this point nah, exactly. i don't believe so Yep. Okay. <laughs> he he helped the one guy who he just didn't basically didn't want to hear him bitch about his play for the next six months. Yeah, that's exactly why. He's like he's like fuck. If I don't done. help him, I'm gonna have to listen to him bitch about this for the next six months. That's what you would gonna ruin done. my fucking life. Once again, right. it was selfish. It was a hundred percent not, but that's okay. <laughs> people can people can watch the movie and then they can chime in. Please yeah. come on the Facebook page, join the Patreon group. Let me know what you think about uh, Louis and let me know what you think. Okay. He's like, but it's okay. I could time travel. I can jack off in this plan if I want to, because <laughs> I can undo it. Right. Because he, again, as Eric mentioned, that's what they've demonstrated from the get-go. That he's just yeah. like that. He's a selfish prick. Okay. <laughs> like, like it would be a very weird turn if all of a sudden this guy was fucking jacking off in places and, and yes. murdering people. It, it just, and then just, yeah. like, just like to do it. Like now, I, hold on. You want to get me in on this movie? He just randomly gets pissed no, off at somebody and fucking kills them and then goes back a day and it didn't happen. I would have yeah, been okay. in. I'm like, oh, this is a great fucking movie now because right. it's realistic. Okay. okay. That's real. Yeah. Traveling in time to kill people is realistic. You're right. You're no, no, no. Right. It's just to get your aggression out. It's like, it's like but, fuck that fucking, did you, that fucking you, guy you, really you just did. try me? Like, no, fuck him. And you walk up, just shoot him in the fucking right. head, go to the closet. All right. This shit didn't happen. <laughs> wow. This movie is definitely just solidifying personalities. <laughs> I think I'm going to make a movie like that now where you can like you travel back in time and you can do whatever. That's the fine. Do it. I'll call it Westworld. Like, we'll review that one. You'll call it Westworld. Exactly. <laughs> so in any case, he finds out that they met at a party a week ago at Joanna's place. So he knows this is what he has to do. So we've got another clip. Let's roll it. Am I on the right clip? Yeah. Sorry, I had to make sure it's in the right clip. Oh, hello. Do I know you? Um, no, no, no. I'm, I'm a friend of Mary's. She has another friend. <gasps> yeah, gosh, you amaze me, but... All right. Oh, uh, hot dogs? Yeah, it took me hours to make them myself. Thanks. Yeah, disgusting. <laughs> totally undercooked. Mm. See you later. thought this through more um let's talk about kate moss 
I love Kate Moss. I always think the key thing with her is the history. Yes. The informality of her early shots compared to high fashion stuff. So you always know that underneath, she's still just the same cheeky, normal girl, naked on the beach. Beach. I agree with you completely. If we leave now, then we can have, you know, more than one starter. Oh. <laughs> I love your eyes. And I love the rest of your face, too. More than one starter. Ten amazing starters. You're the dickhead. Right. You literally took her words when she's like all fuck. I, it's even worse when you're just listening to it. She's like, oh, this guy's kind of fucking creepy. No, no, no. Well, I love your eyes. I love your face. Oh, let's go get food. Let's leave this party right now. Guess what? Uh, Kate Moss, um, let me, like, I wrote this down. You told me these words. I'm going to read these exact words you said to you. Like, it's fucking creepy. It's creepier, it's creepier when you do. It's fucking right. creepy in general. He is it's like manipulating creepy. this girl not into fucking being in love with him. Not at all. For yes, those he is. Get into the spirit of movie. It's hundred percent. If, if he wants to do it right, go back, fix the fucking play two weeks before the play, then go to the dinner and do the whole thing again. Don't fucking manipulate her into being in love with you when she doesn't know who the fuck you are. She doesn't remember that dinner. She's not in love with you. She is in love with him. Only because that's what that's what happens when people he's star forcing. No, this isn't star cross. Find lovers. each other across space and time. That's and not what Starcross ever after, And they live happily ever after. No, no. And no. I'll spoil it for everyone. Guess what? They live happily ever after. Do they really? Okay? And that's all. Yeah, Joe, you know they do. Oh, uh, then why doesn't he tell her <laughs> he, he went back in time to fucking do all this shit? Why does he come out and just say, hey, you know, uh, I got this really cute story. Like, you want to hear that? And she'd be like, you fucking manipulated how do you know me. That, how, do you, how do you know that he didn't? Because he didn't. How do you know? Because <laughs> she's still with him. How do you know? <laughs> how do you know? <laughs> because she's still with him. If she and honestly, she loves him so much, and she loved him the first time she saw him. If he told her why he did what he did, she would fully accept it, and they would continue to live their lives together. Because in the context of this movie, Joe, and those two characters, it's a hundred percent accurate. There's Her voice just literally said everything. She's there like, "There is Ugh. nothing you can do about it." She's like, "This nope. guy, he doesn't get it." And all that said, we are going to take a break, and when we come back, we should be able to wrap this thing up. <laughs> So if you're uh, listening to Masters of the Cinematic Universe, you obviously love movies. Uh, I do too, because I host this podcast. And um, my pedal company, 37FX, um, definitely has a movie theme. So if you're looking for really cool guitar pedals and the bonus of having some uh, fun movie themes, uh, hit up the website, 37FX.com. That's the word 30, the number 7.com. Uh, you can find things like the Fat Guy Little Coat Fuzz. And uh, soon to be released, the Tombstone Treble Boost, both, both based on some fantastic movies. So, uh, you know, hit the website up. We've got some great sound samples on there. And uh, you can also hit me up um, through Facebook or Instagram uh, with any questions you have. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> 